0: Ever snore so loud it registered as an earthquake or you woke up with a throat as dry as the Sahara Desert and a headache that could stop a locomotive? Well, I've had all of these because I have sleep apnea. Hi, I'm Scott Mitchell. Yep. I wear a machine plugged into a wall attached to a hose every night. Sound Sleep Medical changed all of this for me and they can do that for you. They specialize in providing oral appliance therapy for individuals suffering from sleep disorders. In many cases, oral appliances have proven to be as effective as CPAP machines in treating sleep apnea. The lack of sleep is a serious health risk and has been linked to heart disease, stroke, diabetes, and even depression. The oral appliance I got from Sound Sleep Medical has freed me from a hose. I can go anywhere and I've never slept better. Call Sound Sleep Medical today. Seriously, for a limited time, the first 25 people that call get a free consultation worth 200 bucks. Call 801-783-5451. It's 801-783-5451.
1: Hello, I'm Jim Bennett.
2: I'm Abby Bennett.
1: And this is Dinner Table Politics. And Abby, I have changed my mind.
2: About...
1: Well, first of all, you have to realize how cool it is that somebody who is approaching a political issue has changed their mind. That doesn't happen very often. No. Have you noticed that? Have you gotten into political debates on Facebook and discovered that everybody ends up agreeing with you at the end when they didn't agree with you before?
2: I've never... No. I also don't get in political arguments on Facebook, so...
1: Where do you get in political arguments?
2: Here. Only
1: With me? Yes. I'm the only person you argue with politically? Yes. You don't have any political discussions outside of this podcast?
2: Um, no. I find it asinine and horrible, and most of my friends think the same way politically as I do, and I I don't know.
1: Well, I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. I think that there are elements... Maybe
2: Maybe they don't. I just don't talk about it that much, just because it's futile.
1: Resistance is futile. You know who said that? Uh,
2: no. George
1: the Borg. Baker. The oh. Borg. Do you know who the Borg are?
2: No,
1: they're bad guys in Star Trek. You really need to catch up on all these things. Okay, I th- this, I feel is like all, this is I've, off
2: to a good start. I
1: failed you as a parent. No, I want to get into something. So I, when when the Mueller report first came out, and we had our complete exoneration edition. Do you remember that? I remember complete exoneration. Well, turns out it wasn't as complete an exoneration as he might have hoped.
2: Wah, wah. <laughs> uh,
1: but my advice to the Democrats at the time was if you think that it's a good idea to stretch out the Mueller report for the next year and a half as Donald Trump goes forward trying to get reelected, you are guaranteeing that he will hold the White House for four more years. That was my position. Uh-huh. I am now starting to think that my position may have been incorrect.
2: What changed your mind?
1: Well, I'm trying to give this to you in political, meany-mouthed words. Like when Nixon got in trouble, he used to say, that statement is no longer operative. You know, he told a lie, and the statement was no longer operative. So my previous statements are no longer operative. And one of the things that changed my mind was uh, the position of a professor who has predicted the last nine presidential elections correctly. His name is Alan Lichtman, and he works at American University. And
2: American University?
1: Yes. Okay. I don't know anything about American University.
2: So he's just a little bit more accurate than, like, the dogs or whatever, or, like, the, the animals that predict who's going to win right. the presidency.
1: Well, it always used to be that whether or not the – Washington Redskins won their home game right before the election. Uh, that was that determined wh- who won, and that worked forever until this last, I think until 2000, and then it stopped working. I mean, all of these predictors work perfectly until they don't, and so I don't put a whole lot of stock in all of them. But he makes the point that, you know, my, my argument was that impeachment was probably morally the right thing to do that donald trump has behaved in a way that deserves removal from office well yeah but politically it probably wasn't the right thing to do i believe bill clinton behaved in ways that required him to be removed from office and he wasn't removed from office and it blew up in the republicans face to try to remove him from office and so my sense was the same thing will happen to the Democrats.
2: So why even bother?
1: So why even bother? And not only just why bother, but it will hurt you. It will make sure Donald Trump is reelected. Bill-
2: it's like it's like when you're babysitting a kid and they're being really horrible and awful, but it's like I'm not going to discipline him. Like I'm going to leave that for their parents, you know? Because all it'll make them do is not like me. So I'm uh, going to let them like I scream could- and stuff. Right. Can, this is exactly the same.
1: No, I can see several flaws in your analogy.
2: Well, I thought it was a good analogy, <laughs> so.
1: Well, because it's not just that we, we don't we want his parents to deal with him or we don't want to be liked. It's that, it, well, I guess maybe it's a good analogy. <laughs> because, because we want to get, the Democrats want to be able to get reelected. Yeah. And the Democrats want somebody to throw Donald Trump out of office. And if impeachment proceedings, even if they are morally the right thing to do, guarantee that Donald Trump is there until 2024, they're not a good idea. Well, I'm starting to think that maybe politically it might be a good idea. And this guy's article talks about this a little bit, but the, the key to this is Robert Mueller, who is making the strange... Announcement that if he could have cleared President Trump of obstruction, he would have done so, which is a very bizarre standard both legally and logically. You can't prove that something didn't happen. It's not possible. Yeah. I mean, you can prove that something else happened that precluded something from happening. Like I can prove that I'm not seven feet tall because I can prove that I'm six feet tall. Yeah. Actually, I'm six foot four. I'm tall. Okay, than
2: six feet. brag about it. Uh, yes,
1: yes, I'm very, very tall. Uh, but you know, you can't prove, for instance, that there's not a teapot circling the globe.
2: It's like the Schrodinger's cat of politics.
1: A little bit, a little bit. You so, but so it's not a prosecutor's job to ever prove somebody didn't commit a crime. Yeah. A prosecutor's job is to prove somebody committed a crime, or to fall short. Yeah. So the way Mueller keeps talking about this is really kind of bizarre, but he also emphasizes the fact that a president, a sitting president, cannot be indicted. And he said it was... Again,
2: weird loophole, Founding Fathers.
1: Well, it's not a Founding Fathers loophole. That's that's just long-term precedent. I don't think there's anything in the Constitution that says a president can't be indicted. The only thing that the Constitution has to say about getting rid of a president is reference to impeachment for high crimes and misdemeanors. And nobody has defined, at least the Constitution doesn't define, what constitutes high crimes and misdemeanors. So there's no criminal code for high crimes and misdemeanors. The Constitution just says Congress gets to decide, and we could impeach President Trump for having terrible hair, which he does have.
2: We should have, long ago.
1: We should have. but So that makes it a challenge to be able to determine what to do if Mueller found obstruction of justice, he believes he's not able to indict. And so he the way he keeps talking about this seems to be, hey, Congress, it's your responsibility to do something about this. And the only thing Congress can do is impeach. Now, President Trump has gone nuts on Twitter, particularly today. Have you seen his stuff today?
2: Um no, I chose to kind of remove that from my life for right now. I, I just didn't really need that, That's right. that well, stress you and negativity. You
1: weren't preparing for your next Facebook debate. No. So the, I save
2: Facebook for cooking videos and cats and stuff. Oh, well, Cat memes.
1: But you actually do Twitter. I can't stand Twitter.
2: I don't tweet. I lurk. You lurk? But not on political things. Mostly well, on Kim Kardashian's page.
1: Well, I'm not sure if Kim Kardashian got this or not. But Donald J. Trump, at Real Donald Trump, tweeted, Russia, Russia, Russia. That's all you heard at the beginning of this witch hunt hoax. And now Russia has disappeared because, and this is, he says, I had nothing to do with Russia helping me to get elected. Which is an admission that Russia helped him to get elected. Yeah,
2: also at the beginning how he goes, Russia, Russia, Russia. It made me think of Marsha, Marsha, Marsha.
1: Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. But he's going nuts. He's trying to raise money off of this. He's freaking out that this is all a witch hunt, and he's insisted that Mueller has cleared him. And Mueller went out of his way to say, no, I have not cleared him. I do not have the power to indict him. And there were rumors that he drafted an indictment and that it doesn't exist or that it's hidden away. He insists it doesn't exist. But there are rumors that there were all kinds of things that had happened. But Mueller has made it very clear. He's stepping down from the Justice Department. He's walking away from the investigation. But he's saying to Congress, you need to do something about this.
2: He's handing over the reins.
1: He's handing over the reins and saying there, there is no other body out there that can deal with Donald Trump except for Congress. And so Congress now has a decision to make. And let's talk about what that decision ought to be when we get back from our break. So, Nancy Pelosi is still dragging her feet. Have you seen any of those videos where they try to make her look like she's drunk? Yeah. That's they, the dumbest thing I've yeah, ever seen. Yeah,
2: like, um, I'm pretty sure Trump retweeted one of them. And it was doctored to slow down her speech. And
1: they used to do that. So messed up. Letterman used to do that on his show with videos of George W. Bush. I mean, everybody knew that's exactly what he was doing. Right. He'd just call it Drunk Bush and it was, ha ha, this the is The president
2: funny. wasn't. Lending credence to it. To right. Nobody was trying to pretend it was
1: legitimate. That was It was a joke. And the way George W. Bush spoke when he slowed it down, it was really quite funny.
2: Yeah.
1: You know, I don't know if it would be as funny like Newt Gingrich drunk. You know, these guys that don't have that kind of a vocal drawl don't sound so good when they're slowed down. They yeah. just sound slowed down. Anyway... Nancy Pelosi is saying that she still doesn't want to pursue impeachment, and I think she's looking at this from the political consequences. Uh, The problem is that if Donald Trump continues to melt down like this and continues to to do all of this, he's already walked away from the infrastructure bill, he's walked away from a number of things, and he's just insisting that the Democrats are out to get him. If the Democrats don't address this head-on, I think there may end up being political consequences to that, too. Uh Uh, The the one reality is that it's, it's very, very unlikely, I think, next to impossible, to think that 20 Republicans in the Senate will vote to remove Trump from office. Sure. So if you move forward with impeachment, you need to do so. And I think they should be upfront about doing so in saying, look, we recognize that Donald Trump is probably going to finish out his term. But we have a constitutional responsibility to go forward with this information that's been presented to us in the Mueller report. And the only avenue we have is, a, is an impeachment proceeding. And let's just hold the hearings and let the chips fall where they may. Uh-huh. And I think if they were to approach it that way, and even approach it with a kind of recognition that this is about censuring the president more than it is about removing him from office... This was a huge debate, by the way, in the 1998 impeachment. Your grandfather, Senator Bob Bennett, drafted, along with Senator Dianne Feinstein, Democrat from California, drafted a censure resolution against Bill Clinton.
2: Kind of a slap on the wrist.
1: Yeah, well, it was just, here are all the terrible things that you have done, and we we think you're a terrible person for having done them. And you know what? The Senate does this all the stinking time. (laughs) They don't pass censure resolutions, but they pass meaningless statement bills where they say, you know, I remember once uh, when I was an intern for Senator Al Simpson, I watched the Senate floor debate about a resolution condemning people who murder abortion doctors. Hmm. And Barbara Mikulski of Maryland got down there and gave this fiery speech about how terrible it was when people shot abortion doctors.
2: Is that a common occurrence?
1: It's not a common occurrence, but it has happened. Okay. Uh, it hasn't happened relatively recently. In fact, the most recent thing I could think of was that an abortion rights guy ended up shooting a protester. And I had a friend who posted it thinking it was an abortion not killing a doctor. And I pointed out to him, uh, no, wait, you got this backwards. And he yanked it down. He was like, oh, never mind.
2: It's so easy. I, I'm, always, I'm always amazed at people that post.
1: Wrong so, things. Yeah, and stupid like, things. like literally
2: one Google search, like there's no excuse for it. It takes
1: yeah, it takes ten seconds. I it's it's stunning to me too. Although sometimes I'll post something from Snopes to correct them and they're like, "Well, Snopes is really liberal and terrible." It's like, "Well, yeah, but this You is- also
2: don't need to per- need to be the person that's always like, "Actually, like that's you, me. you could just de- like you could just direct message them and not embarrass them publicly." No,
1: no, I have to embarrass them publicly. Uh. Because posting something politically false, the only thing worse is posting something grammatically incorrect, which of course, I have to call their attention to as well. You are
2: insufferable.
1: I am insufferable. And that was a grammatically correct statement. If you had said I was unsufferable, I'd be very unhappy with you. So nobody ever says unsufferable, though. Anyway, the resolution of censure that Dad was putting together was gaining momentum until Henry Hyde, who was the House Manager of Impeachment. He was the Chairman of the Judiciary Committee who was managing during an impeachment trial The House comes to the floor of the Senate and the Chief Justice of the United States comes and sits as the judge of the trial. Uh And that never happens. You don't ever have House members on the floor of the Senate and a member of the Supreme Court in there. So it was really kind of historic. And I remember Chief Justice Rehnquist at the time had these three stripes on on his uniform because that was from a Gilbert and Sullivan opera that he thought was pretty cool. So he decided to put stripes on his uniform. What? Yeah, What
2: are we talking
1: about? We're talking about impeachment trials. Anyway, my father was bringing forward a resolution of censure and Henry Hyde stood up in one of his presentations in impeachment and said, I've read these resolutions of censure and if you believe that Bill Clinton did all of these things and is responsible for all these things, then all the only thing you can do is impeach him. You can't censure him. You yeah. have to impeach him. And that took the wind out of the sails of the censure movement. Bill Clinton even in one in one Rose Garden press conference says that he would accept a rebuke and censure from Congress. Which, that's very what, nice.
2: What other, what other option is there? Yeah, to, I, I don't accept this. I
1: don't accept this. Well, he he essentially said that about impeachment. He, he wears impeachment as a badge of honor and says that he stood up for the Constitution as the mm. Republicans were trying to... I mean, this is the only precedent we have is the Clinton impeachment. And I think so many people, including myself, have been scared... Of the disaster that the Clinton impeachment was, that we start to think that this is what the Trump impeachment is going to
2: be. Uh-huh.
1: And I'm not sure this is what the Trump impeachment is going to be, because I don't one think of the...
2: We, I don't think we have any precedent for this anymore.
1: No. We this, are in
2: uncharted territory.
1: This is the thing that is so stunning about Donald Trump, is that he has destroyed, he has dynamited all of the norms of how Washington is supposed to function, and left us in the rubble. And all of us who can remember what it was like when Washington was actually sort of semi-functional. I mean, everybody hated each other and there were all kinds of problems, but you knew what the rules were. You knew where the boundaries are. Nobody knows where the boundaries are anymore. Donald Trump has blown all the boundaries out of the water.
2: And everybody still hates each other.
1: And everybody still hates each other. They hate each other more than they ever have. And that's pretty hard to do because they hated each other a whole lot back when I was there. But looking at all of this... You, you look at the calculus, the political calculus of, okay, we're preparing for the 2020 election. If you go back to Alan Lickman's 13 different things where he talks about what you need to do to be able to get reelected, one of the most critical ones is that you need to have a strong economy. And right now, the economy is very, very strong. Uh-huh. The unemployment rate is very low. And, you know, Donald Trump is thinking, okay, great, I'm going to ride... To victory on this wonderful economy. Uh-huh. Well, the problem is Donald Trump himself is setting the stage to throw a wrench into the economy that nobody is really anticipating. And it's with co- the tariffs? With the tariffs, particularly with China's retaliation to the tariffs. Yeah. China is now saying that they are going to withhold sales of rare earth metals to the United States if we don't back down from our trade war. Now Dang you're it. you're a scientist <laughs> or you're a medical person. Do you I'm know anything <laughs> about rare earth metals? I don't. Jack diddly crap. Rare,
2: and I'm assuming from the earth.
1: Most of them are from the earth. There may be some extraterrestrial metals, but I don't
2: think I so. D- no, that was not my area of expertise.
1: Well, I don't know anything about them. So uh, anything I tell you scientifically about how much they matter is going to be, you know, tainted by my own ignorance. But my understanding is that they're needed in all kinds of electronics. They're needed in washing machines. They're needed in refrigerators. Sure. They're needed all over the place. Yeah. And China is pretty much the only source in the world for them. They have a monopoly on them. And I don't know why that is. I don't know if the earth is rarer in China than it is in the United States. The earth
2: is rarer in China.
1: They have very rare earth in China. But... The fact of the matter is that when you start a war, you have to recognize that the other side is going to use all of its ammunition against you. And if this is leveraged to get the United States to back down, then they're going to use it and it's going to throw the economy into turmoil. Yeah. The tariffs don't make a lick of sense. We've talked about that a number of times. Right. But uh, I don't think it is a sure bet. That we're going to go into 2020 with the kind of roaring economy we have in 2019.
2: Has this Allen guy made his, when When does he make his prediction for who's going to win? Well,
1: he's already predicted that Trump is going to win.
2: Oh, cool. But
1: unless. Unless. And the unless is unless the Democrats start impeachment proceedings. He thinks that impeachment, far from being a political liability, is the only avenue the Democrats have to victory in 2020. Uh-huh. So we'll talk about that a little bit more. We'll go through some of his list. We we'll come back from our break. All right, you want to hear how presidents get reelected?
2: Lay it on me. All
1: right, this is Alan Lichtman. He wrote a book in 2016 called "Well, he wrote it. It's called Predicting the Next President: The Keys to the White House 2016." And the 13 criteria. For a re-election are, number one, a party mandate. After the midterm elections, the incumbent party holds more seats in the U.S. House of Representatives than after the previous midterm elections. And that... That didn't happen.
2: That did not happen. That
1: did not happen. Donald Trump lost seats, uh, although historically almost every president loses seats.
0: Sure.
1: And Donald Trump actually gained seats in the, in the Senate. Senate. So I So I think that while he's probably not strong on that one, he's not as weak on that one as... You might think number two contest. There is no serious contest for the incumbent party nomination. That is that is true. Yeah. There is. Are
2: there w- any Republicans? William
1: Weld. William Weld, who was Gary Johnson's running mate, who was the vice presidential candidate that I was working for in
2: 2016.
1: Uh-huh. Uh huh. He's the former governor of Massachusetts. He's a fairly moderate to liberal Republican, and he is running in a challenge to President Trump in the primary. Uh, nobody's taking it particularly seriously. My guess is you've never heard of him. No. So I think if this were a serious challenge, you'd probably have heard of him. Uh-huh. Uh, the last time I can remember any kind of serious challenge to an incumbent was 1992 when Pat Buchanan ran against George H.W. Bush. Yeah. And I remember in 1980, Ted Kennedy ran against Jimmy Carter and got all the way to convention but historically, a president that wants his nomination usually gets it. And if there is no primary, then he gets to sail above the fray while the other party beats itself up. Yeah. The thing is, you know that Donald Trump isn't going to sail above any fray. Donald Trump sees a fray and he has to dive headlong into it. Like, you know, in the what do they call those? The full body dives in a concert when you just dive into the crowd. That's Donald Trump. No
2: crowd surfing
1: crowd surfing donald but trump's that, gonna that crowd would, surf that would, that would imply government.
2: that like they all want to lift him up
1: right he's gonna dive into the crowd they're all gonna scatter and he's gonna land flat on the floor oh
2: so, so it's a it's a, a case of crowd surfing gone awry
1: that is correct anyway interesting metaphor number three a lot to
2: consider here
1: um number three incumbency the incumbent party candidate is the sitting president And historically, that is a very, very strong indicator of re-election. It's very rare that a sitting president does not get
2: re-elected. When was the last time? H.W.?
1: H.W. was the last time. And then before that, it was Jimmy Carter. And before Jimmy Carter, it was like decades upon decades. So H.W. and Jimmy Carter gave the kind of indication that people are willing to throw out an incumbent president. But it's very rare. It's very difficult to do. Uh, number four, third party. There is no significant third party or independent campaign, and I don't. Th- I'm not hearing any rumblings. There talk about John Kasich and Starbucks
2: what, guy was gonna
1: Starbucks guy. Yeah, what happened to him?
2: I don't know. He's probably
1: yeah. There there aren't drinking any
2: coffee somewhere.
1: You know, I don't know if Beto, when he loses the Democratic primary, he'll decide he wants to run as an independent, but. The fact is oh, that Beto. yeah, poor Beto. I think Pete Buddha Buttig- Judge Judge.
2: It's like Mayor boot, Pete. It's like Boot Edge Edge.
1: I thought it was Buddha Judge.
2: I don't. I I read it like the Times Magazine profile on him, and it said it was pronounced Boot Edge Edge.
1: Boot Edge Boot Edge Edge. I don't know.
2: He's cool. I really like him. He is
1: cool, and he's taken the wind out of the sails for Beto because Beto was the cool guy until Mayor Pete. We're going to call him Mayor Mayor Pete. Mayor Pete, yeah. Much easier to call him Mayor Pete. That's what he calls himself. Okay, so number five short term economy. The economy is not in recession during the election campaign. We are assuming that's the case. The bond market took a serious hit this week, and that's considered a long term indicator for a coming recession. Oh, boy. Recessions happen regardless of who's president. Right. And the president is not in control of that. And so people giving Donald Trump credit for the current economy, uh, you know, great. What are you going to do when the economy goes into recession? Is it yeah. actually a will?
2: Yeah.
1: All right. So, but right now, that seems to be okay. Number six, long-term economy. Real per capita economic growth during the term equals or exceeds mean growth during the previous two terms,
2: oh, this is, this is well, exciting, bottom line is really so, fun stuff.
1: Uh, well, that's not going to be hard to do because the previous two terms we were recovering from the huge financial crash, and so it was a mess. Uh, number seven: policy change. The incumbent administration affects major changes in national policy. Has Donald Trump affected major changes in national policy?
2: Um. He's tried, definitely. He's
1: tried to enact terrible changes in national policy, particularly with regard to immigration, and he separated the families at the border and all Which that. Which are
2: kind of still stuff. separated.
1: Which are still separated.
2: We don't talk about that enough.
1: We don't. Uh, some have been reunited, but not nearly enough, and certainly not all. And that actually, though, all of his immigration, his wall, and all of those kinds of things, uh, they're mainly rhetoric, not reality. Uh, the only, I think, significant policy change that he's been able to get through Congress is his tax cuts. Mm-hmm. Which, he's also
2: banned transgender people from serving, I think.
1: Yeah, but that's been overturned by a judge again, too.
2: Oh, again? Yeah. Okay.
1: All of the things that he's tried to do have been overturned or been blocked. And so he screams and jumps up and down. So, you know, that's an, you look back at Obama and Obamacare was a huge policy change. Uh, what's Trump's legacy? What's his policy change? I think his le- legacy is chaos. I think his legacy is degrading the office. I think his legacy is just making a big mess for someone else to clean up. Dang.
2: I really hope that like 10 years in the future we all kind of look at this point in time as like, oh, that was crazy. And there's like lots of documentaries and movies about it.
1: Well, I hope you we're know? not standing in the rubble. you know, yeah, I'm Still really... trying to dig out. <laughs> Uh, It'd
2: be twenty I, years from now. Ten years is probably way too optimistic. Uh,
1: well, we shall see. Um, number eight: social unrest. There is no sustained social unrest during the term. Has uh, there been sustained social unrest under
2: Trump? I would say so. <sighs>
1: if you're remembering all of the Iraq war pro- protests, I
2: wasn't I was very young
1: Yeah, I mean, you know I mean I don't remember the Vietnam war protesters which were worse than the Iraq war protesters in terms of the social unrest uh, but I think things are really actually quite stable you're not seeing riots you know I lived through riots in Southern California during the Rodney King verdict you're not seeing I mean you're seeing protests and you're seeing people who hate Donald Trump but Social unrest, I think, would be a very strong... It might be nice to have more social unrest. Anyway, number nine, scandal. The incumbent administration is untainted by major scandal.
2: Eh.
1: Donald Trump fails on that pretty much on every level. He's trying very hard to pretend that he's untainted by scandal.
2: Is he even trying, though? He just said that Russia helped
1: (laughs) him win
2: the election.
1: All right, well, we've got to take a break. We'll come back and we will finish the list. All right, so we decided that Donald Trump has been tainted by scandal. Number ten, foreign and military failure. The incumbent administration suffers no major failure in foreign or military affairs. And uh, well, I the, don't know. You know, so,
2: I mean, North Korea just set off a couple more
1: missiles right.
2: or bombs. I don't remember exactly what it was.
1: Right. I mean, North Korea clearly is completely ignoring the the agreement with Donald Trump. I don't know that that's the kind of major failure they're talking about. I mean, I think George W. Bush, and when they found no weapons of mass destruction and that kind of thing, I think that's something where you start to have problems. But even then, George W. Bush was reelected. elected Yeah. Uh, I don't think you've seen anything like that. I think we have the potential for something devastating, particularly in Iran. The saber-rattling in Iran right now is really, really scary. So what? Saber-rattling. You take a
2: no, yeah, but what does that, what is that? What does that mean?
1: Saber rattling?
2: What's saber rattling? What is, what?
1: That's just a metaphor. I
2: know, but what is, what are you talking about by saying that?
1: Well, Donald Trump pulled out of the agreement with Iran, the I know what agreement. a saber
2: is. I know, a okay. light saber. Everybody knows what a saber is. That's correct. Right. It's
1: Sheesh. not light saber rattling. Uh, that would be cool. Things though. are unstable in our relationship with Iran, and Donald Trump is prom- talking about new sanctions, and Iran's talking about new retaliations. And it's just bubbling under the surface, but it has the potential to explode. And if that explodes, Donald Trump's going to be in serious trouble. I don't know if he recognizes that or understands that. I don't think
2: he does. I'm not sure if he going does. going to take a wild guess.
1: Okay, number 11, foreign military success. The incumbent administration achieves a major success in foreign military affairs. Donald Trump's trying to pretend North Korea is that success.
2: Yeah, they also are trying to say that ISIS is completely gone, right? Didn't we say that?
1: Uh. Yeah. Uh, are you hearing stuff from ISIS lately?
2: No. I, but we still have people over there, so I yeah. don't really understand.
1: Yeah. We sent 15,000 new troops out to the Gulf to deal with Iran, too. Okay. So. Number 12, incumbent charisma. The incumbent party candidate is charismatic or a national hero.
2: For some, maybe.
1: Yeah. I think that's that's a split decision because Donald Trump Donald Trump is charismatic. I mean... That's not to say he's a good person. Hitler was charismatic. I'm not saying Donald Trump is Hitler. Yeah. But charisma is one thing. Donald Trump can draw a crowd. Donald Trump can hold a crowd. Uh, But half the people hate him and half the people love him. Yeah. Actually, 43% of the people love him and 57% of the people hate him, according to his approval rating averages.
2: It's that high still. Man.
1: Yeah. And number 13, challenger charisma. The challenging party candidate is not charismatic or a national hero. That remains to be I, seen. Yeah,
2: I, don't, I think it's way too early to say. I
1: don't see anybody coming up, uh, maybe Mayor Pete, but certainly not Joe Biden. And I don't think Bernie holds that position either. No.
2: Elizabeth Warren maybe.
1: Uh, Elizabeth Warren's not going anywhere. <laughs> I just don't think she's going anywhere. I, I mean, you look at all of the polls. Biden is way ahead. Bernie is behind. Mayor Pete's in third. And everybody else, including Elizabeth Warren, Warren is in the low single digits. Elizabeth Warren has made too many mistakes and her stupid, you know, DNA test. Yeah. I, I, I just think Elizabeth Warren has damaged goods. Which makes me kind of sad because I think she's a serious and thoughtful candidate. Yeah. And I think I do most like, of the it's, it's Democrats like aren't.
2: Bernie, like, makes these, like, giant claims and stuff about, like, free college or whatever. And then Elizabeth Warren will, like, make similar claims but then actually back it up with plans on how she would accomplish that. But... I, yeah, all the thing, all the other stuff has
1: kind of well overshadowed. I, that. I mean, she's she's serious. I think she's wrong, I mean, but but she's serious and substantive. And you're not seeing a lot of that from most of the Democrats. I don't think you're seeing that from congressional Democrats. But uh, I, you know, Joe Biden is still kind of my guy. Are you still bugged by his creepiness? By
2: um. I guess, yeah, but, again, it's like the the lesser of two evils, kind of. Well— Like, compared to what Donald Trump's done, it's, like, not even
1: close. Well, it's not even close, and and he's stopping. Joe Biden is smart enough to recognize what he has to do not to do it. You look at Donald Trump, and you say, Donald, you need to control yourself, you need to have some self-discipline. And he'll say, "Oh yeah, sure, of course I do." And then he has no capacity for self-discipline. Yeah, I think Joe Biden has tremendous capacity for self-discipline. So I think you're going to see that kind of go away. Anyway, so looking at all of that, uh, the verdict that I have is: let's start impeachment proceedings and let the chips fall. Okay, yeah.
2: That's my I'm recommendation.
1: Cool. So we conclude with a strong recommendation. And if you want to hear future recommendations, be sure to subscribe to this podcast that I tune, so we will listen on the KSL Podcast Center. Until next week, I'm Jim Bennett. I'm
2: Abby Bennett. And we'll
1: see you next time on Dinner Table Politics.